0: This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL and, and from you, you. Call now 801 575 8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
2: Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox and Governor so glad to have you back with us today to talk about the important things that people are concerned about here in Utah. Let's begin and talk about the COVID situation because what I'm seeing is seems like all holds are off. Like it seems like the restaurants are packed and people aren't wearing masks and which is, you know, I know we're exhausted. But tell us what is the risk? How are we doing in the state of Utah with COVID?
1: Yeah, thanks, Maria. So it's great to be with you again, and I appreciate the, the, the time and the opportunity. So what we're seeing, it's been very interesting in Utah, and i talked to a lot of experts about it. We we saw that the Delta surge um, with, with much of the country, our surge went up and then started to come down and then kind of leveled off. We've had lots of states that have surged higher than us, faster, and then fallen down. Well, we're kind of stuck at this, this elevated level, and uh, it looks like we're part of maybe two surges. There was a surge that was kind of of Idaho and Washington, Oregon, that, that Northwest, what we were part of, and now the the, the inner, inner mountain regions, so Colorado and Arizona, and New Mexico, are surging right now, and we're kind of caught between those two. So not not the highest we, we've ever been, and not as high as some of those states, but certainly we would like to be lower. So that's where we are, and uh, that's why we're we're asking uh, people to uh, to continue to get vaccinated. We just announced today that uh, we'll be expanding boosters for uh, for everyone over the ages of 18 uh, to to be able to get their booster now and and increase those those levels of protection. And and most importantly for us, because we're the state with the most kids, um, we have been able to vaccinate 44,000 kids ages five to 11 over the last two weeks. And so that's going to help us more than any other state the the ability to vaccinate kids. And we can't wait for those uh, those vaccinations to kick in.
2: So give us an idea, where are we when it comes to vaccinations? How many people in the state of Utah are fully protected?
1: Yeah, so right now, uh, over 2 million re- residents of the state of Utah have received a, at least one dose. Um, 1.78 million have received, uh, are, are, are fully vaccinated. That works out to be about 62% that have received one dose and about 55% that have received both doses. Um, and now, again, because we have such a large portion of our young people, that number is going to start to climb pretty quickly uh, because uh, once they get fully vaccinated now, we've had two weeks, so they're just... Just receiving their first one, it, you know, it'll take three to four weeks before they can start to uh, to receive their second one, and then we'll see that that overall population number start to uh, start to go up significantly. Um, the good news is that uh, that our elderly population has done very well, uh, but you know, over over the age of seventy, we're at ninety plus percent. Um, it, those that are the most vulnerable, but we still have work to do.
2: So, tell us about the supply. You're opening up those boosters for all adults. How easy is it going to be to actually get a booster shot?
1: It's uh, well. It it, sh- it should be fairly easy to to get. The good news is we have significant supply in the state of Utah right now. Do encourage people to be patient as as our providers are going to be now now opening this up for for more boosters. The the truth is that about uh, about ninety percent of Americans have been eligible for a booster. But once again, the the, the CDC has made it so confusing for people to understand. I, I'll give you one one quick example. Um, anyone with a BMI over twenty five has been qualified for a booster for a while but most people don't know that may not know what their bmi is about 70 percent of americans have a bmi of 25 or older i i checked today i'm 24.9 so i'm like one good hamburger away from uh being eligible that's that's how close i am and uh and so most people are all already eligible. They just didn't know it. So we're trying to simplify this, um, hoping that the FDA and the CDC will come through and simplify as well and just make it open to all adults um, 18 and older.
2: I understand that there are now some grants available for small businesses to help them actually fight COVID in their own companies.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. This is something that we we announced this this past week. Um, for those with uh, with fewer than fifty employees, you can apply for a grant through the Governor's Office of Economic Opportunity, and uh, the, the the purpose of this grant is to help reimburse employers for giving paid leave to their employees who don't have paid leave. So these are usually hourly employees who don't have any any benefits. Um, they they can uh, they can apply and. And they'll be paid, the company will be paid to reimburse them for for paying their employees who have to take time off to get a vaccine themselves. Uh, get a vaccine for their children, or if they happen to have a reaction uh, that, that require a reaction to the vaccine that requires them to miss a little bit of time, um, they would be eligible to get reimbursed for for that as well. So we're, we're very excited about this program. A lot of people have already taken advantage of it, but we still do have some some money available. Uh, you can go to uh, business.utah.gov/slash. S-B-E-V grant. So that's Utah, or business.utah.gov slash S-B-E-V grant. And, uh, and your business can apply and, and get reimbursed there.
2: You are obviously pro-vaccine, but what about workplace mandates? I mean, you did sign the exemption for workplaces.
1: Yeah, so absolutely very, very pro-vaccine. A big believer in the vaccine. There, there's been so much contention around this and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tearing companies apart. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's been so unfortunate. What we did was, uh, we, we looked very closely at some, uh, some experiences we've had here in the state of Utah and we, we, we pioneered this a little bit um our our institutions of higher learning almost all of them uh, decided that they would issue vaccine vaccine mandates for their students with with some exceptions and people could have could apply for um, a religious exemption or a personal exemption for, for uh, deeply held personal reasons and, or medical exemptions. And in, in every one of those cases, they saw vaccine uptake rates go up significantly. Um, in fact, upwards of 95% in in some of our institutions without all of the, the combativeness and fighting that we're seeing over this and people losing their jobs and, and other issues. And, and felt that that was a good model. I, I was opposed to completely uh, out lying mandates for our businesses. I I think that's That's a mandate, right? A mandate against mandates is still a mandate. And so, uh, but, but, but supportive of this and the business community has been very supportive of what, as well. And, and it allows them to issue a mandate for their employees, um, allowing for these, these deeply held personal exemptions. And, and the hope is that we'll see a similar uptake that we'll be able to go from some of our workplaces that are now 60 or 70% up to 80, 90%, which will help us. The, The other very good news. And as we talk to experts, they believe that we're moving from the pandemic phase to the endemic phase. Um, soon it, are, are these antiviral pills um, that are coming on the, the, the market uh, that that will allow us both Merck and Pfizer have these these pills that are are, are before um, the FDA right now waiting for approval We expect to get those in the next couple of weeks. These are pills that they'll be able to take similar to the monoclonal antibodies that we just did a thousand of this week um, so after you've tested positive and have symptoms, you could take one of these pills and uh, and and the 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 uh the, the prevention of hospitalization and death look amazingly well, not almost as high as the vaccines. So with vaccines and these pills coming online, we should be able to move into a place now where things get back to normal. We have very, very few hospitalizations and deaths, even lower than the flu, and uh, we'll be able to uh, start to, to live the way we all want to live life again.
2: Governor, so many important questions, but we do have our callers lining up. And the number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at five seven We'll be right
1: back. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story.
0: Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Get your questions answered by the Governor. Call 801 575 8255 to join Let, Let Me, Me Speak, Speak to the, the governor, governor on KSL News Radio.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shalais, of course, joined by Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and we're glad you're with us today. Let's go right to our phone lines, and James is on the line. Good afternoon, James. Locational expert at the very end. James, are you there?
0: Yes, I'm here. Anyhow, Hi there, Maria, and hi, Governor. I uh, understand that uh, you gave the go-ahead to tell people that it's okay for all adults to get their COVID boosters, and Anyhow, I think that's a great, uh, uh, step forward. And basically, I didn't know if I hadn't been listening to the program. Have you got your booster? And obviously, you recommend all adults get it. What are your thoughts on that as far as people recepting it?
1: James, thank you. And it's great to, it's great to hear from you, my friend. I appreciate the the question. Uh, so, so the, the answer is yes. Uh, of course, we do recommend that all adults, uh, get their, get their booster. And uh, there, there was a great article in, in the Atlantic today, uh, where, uh, where a doctor laid out the case, uh, of why all Americans c- should get their booster shots. And using some data that came out of Israel, um, and, and what they're seeing, especially against the Delta variant, they're seeing with the booster shots, uh, where, where there were some breakthrough cases, now they're seeing 95% effective rate against the Delta variant with those boosters. So that's great news. And, and again, good, even if you're not high risk, um, it, it, it helps so you, uh, you, you don't transmit. The, the virus if you do have a breakthrough case um, and and certainly protects against uh, hospitalization even even if that's low but protect other people protect yourself it's great news I did get the booster um, and uh, I, I will tell you I had very little side effects I did have a sore arm for for a couple days uh, n- nothing too serious like you know like I'd just gotten punched in the arm a little bit. And, uh, and, and so um, I'm, I'm very positive, and all the medical experts we've talked to uh, support getting, getting that, that booster for, um, for, for all adults, but especially those that are most vulnerable. So, so thank you, James, and, and I wish you the very best.
2: James, thanks for your call today. Governor, we all know that COVID has taken kind of a toll on our mental health. It's been exhausting. And we got news yesterday that nationwide overdose deaths have been on the increase during the pandemic. What are we seeing in the state of Utah?
1: yeah thank you so we, we watch this very closely and uh, and it has taken its toll there's there's no question that it's been hard and it's not just covid right the the the, the political climate is so divisive right now that that people are feeling some some anxiety some stress um, d- depression and those things are, are real I always encourage people um, to to reach out for help um, we have the safe uh, Utah app and I encourage everyone to d- download that you can immediately be in contact with us a mental health professional um, and and the so the good news is that suicide rates um, specifically here in Utah we have not seen a, an increase that's 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 very very positive news um, but but still far too high um, opioid deaths and drug overdose deaths um, we uh, a, again we're not seeing significant increases at, at least that's not been reported to me that we've seen other places in the country but but they are still far far too high um, a, as people are looking for all alternative ways to to cope with uh, with with struggles that they may be having and 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 that's obviously the worst possible way to uh, to deal with uh, with our issues and and stresses and so we, we really encourage people to uh, to reach out uh, to get help um, we have uh, we have so many resources available and uh, we want to make sure that that no one um, ever ever loses their life by uh, because of taking drugs or, or overdosing so we're, we're we're optimistic, but uh, but we need everybody's help to pitch in on this one.
2: Now, the community was shocked to hear about uh, the suicide of a little 10-year-old girl, Izzy Tishner, in Davis County. I understand that you have talked to the Davis School District Superintendent about this issue and possibility of racial discrimination. And can you tell us about that conversation and what you learned?
1: Sure. Yeah, I had a wonderful conversation. In fact, I'm going to tell you about two conversations, Maria, if it's okay. So I actually um, met with uh, with Izzy's uh, family um, with her mom her grandma her parents and uh, her her siblings and uh, just had an incredibly a very emotional uh, d- such a such an awful awful terrible tragedy and uh, I, I, I I did meet with the school district and uh, I, I was very impressed with the work that they're doing around this um, I, I talked to uh, in fact just today I talked to the principal as well so I guess three conversations uh, but uh, the, the the work that they're doing to to rally around their students and teachers, uh, and, and making sure one that uh, that we're taking care of our students who may be struggling, and, and two uh, to to make sure that we're doing everything possible to prevent in whatever reason, whether it's it's uh, it, it, it's it's racially based or um, disability related or just you know just. Kids doing things that that kids do. I, I've been I've been very open about my uh, uh, about my own situation growing up and how difficult that was in uh, in middle school uh, with being bullied and, and having some of those those uh, suicidal thoughts at, at that time. And uh, we we can do better. and And that's exactly I, I was so impressed with the superintendent and their plans, uh, the stuff that they were already working on, the things you are going to be do doing moving forward. They have talked about some of those. More will be coming out and. And uh, but but my message is that we need everyone, um, especially parents, right now, to to sit down with their kids and have a conversation um, for for a couple of reasons. One, to find out if they've been the victim of uh, of bullying, uh, and, and to find out how they're doing from a mental health perspective, and and then two, um, to to make sure that sometimes it's our kids that are doing the bullying and sometimes it's the bullied who becomes the bully. And, and, and these are really important conversations. We can't just say, ah, you know, it's, it's kids being kids uh, because sometimes the consequences um, are too dire. Kids can be better. Parents can be better. I, I, have said this before, but they, they, they often mimic the, the behavior that they, they see at home. And, and so when we have, um, we have parents showing up at school board meetings and uh, threatening people, uh, you know, and, and, and and, uh, and 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 bu- trying to bully their way—that's um, that's not that's not the right model uh, for for our kids. And so we we need to check our own behavior and then work with our kids. Look, Utah is an incredible place. Um, there are so many people that care about others, that love others, and uh, and want to reach out and be helpful. And uh, and so I I'm, I'm optimistic that we we can uh, we can do more. And I I can't wait for the school district to share uh, with everyone what they've shared with me.
2: Right, there is this underlying issue of racial discrimination. Um, what can you share about what is being done to make sure to ensure that that isn't happening?
1: Yeah, no, no, no question. So I, I, I will say in the you know in this particular case, uh, the easy case. It, time there there's a suicide in our state there there's a big investigation that, that, that happens and it, it can take several weeks and 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 a lot of time and so' it's, it's really important I think that that everyone um, just allow that process to take place uh, it, suicides especially uh, amongst youth i've been told by our expert who does these investigations are, are incredibly complicated and there's there's rarely one one issue there's there's almost always multiple um, interacting issues that happen here however w- What's important here is um, maybe not that specific case, but uh, the the Department of Justice investigation that was t- that had taken place before and um the the district has already done several things to uh to to help remedy some of the issues that they found around some racial discrimination including terminating employees um who uh who had participated in 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 uh, the, the, that type of discrimination or or failed to uh to react appropriately when uh when when those things came to them um it's 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 really hard when the attorneys get involved uh, because now the Department of Justice has to imp- approve all of their communications. And so there's a process they have to go through, which is very frustrating for them because they are doing so much and they want to be able to share that with, with families. And so they, they will have an opportunity to do that. But but it, it involves training. Um, it, it involves uh, investigation process, uh, uh, having independent investigators who can look at these types of things, making sure that they're, uh, they're dealing with them quickly because kids are going to do things right. Kids make mistakes. Kids do dumb things. So, so the question is, how do we respond when that happens, um, and how do we work to ensure that it doesn't happen again? And how do we um, we help the adults uh, there um, to know how to respond, respond appropriately as well? And all of those things are taking place now.
2: All right. Our next caller is Audrey in Riverton, and Audrey, good afternoon. What is your question? Good afternoon, Governor. A while back, you had mentioned you were going to take a look at the tax we pay on our social security. I'm curious to know, have you had a chance to do that? And what's your thoughts on that
0: today?
1: Yeah, Audrey. Thank you so much for uh, for for reaching out and, and asking that question. I'm I'm really excited to share that the last legislative session we were able to uh, to deal with that in, in a very significant way. Um, and so we we passed a bill and uh, and I signed that bill into law. It was uh, House Bill 86, and and what it does is it delivers a, a social security tax cut to Utah senior citizens. We were we we're one of the only states. I think there may be. Six Six or seven that still had the full tax on, on Social Security. Um, it, so it raises the amount of income that is exempt from tax uh, from $35,000 for joint filers uh, to 50000 So basically, this is an $18 million tax cut for those receiving uh, th- th- those receiving Social Security tax. So um, I'm really grateful that the legislature agreed and uh, that we were willing to uh, to push that tax cut through. Now um, this this bill has a retrospective operation for taxable year year beginning on or after January 1st of 2021. So so that's how it works. Um, it goes back to, uh, to 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 the beginning of this year, and so you'll you'll see that in your uh, in your next tax filing um, for all of our, our seniors out there who are receiving the, the uh, Social Security income, um, you're going to see a tax break this year. So great news. It's always fun when I get to talk about some uh, some good news and a tax cut.
2: Audrey, thanks for your call today. If you'd like to call and ask the governor question, the number 801-575-8255. You can also text us at five seven We'll be back following the bottom of the hour news.
0: Get your questions answered by the Governor. Call 801 575 8255 to join Let Let Me Me Speak Speak to to the the Governor on KSL News Radio.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. And the number for you to call again, 801-575-8255. We're getting a number of texters. You can text us your questions at five seven five zero zero. Uh Governor, before we get right back to those calls and questions, uh, my question for you is... Um, We know that Utah's going to get some money that's being touted in the infrastructure bill just signed by the president. What are we going to see, and when should we expect to see it in action?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the, that big infrastructure bill was finally passed, uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill, and some, some good things for, for the state of Utah. We, we're not sure exactly when that money will, will come our way, but we'll be working with the legislature. I assume that, that most of that will be apportioned out during the legislative session that comes up as we get more details on exactly how much is coming to us and, uh, and where and how that money can be used. So the legislature meets uh, starting in January and, and running through March. But we're we'll see some significant investments in some places where where it's really needed. So of course roads and bridges is part of that, uh, infrastructure uh, around broadband, um, especially in our rural areas and some of our, our communities that that may be underserved. And uh, and then we will uh, will also be looking at investment. Uh, the the piece I'm most excited about is is our ability to invest in water and, and wastewater projects. Uh, we have uh, a we found. Out during the some some of the the stimulus money that came in the the ARPA funding, um, we, we went through a process where the legislature set aside. Some money um, and and you remember that local governments also received money from the federal government there, and we thought man, you know it would be a really a good idea if we could um, if we could put that money together to do some big things uh, some, some generational things if we 're yeah, well, look I think the federal government 's spending way too much money, but if they 're going to spend it, we should be investing it in things that will have a return on investment for our kids and grandkids if we 're spending their money, we should be spending it in ways that will help them, and so that that's, that's why I think infrastructure is is so important. Um, and and as we went through that process, uh, we we had fifty million dollars that we could match uh, with the, with money coming from these these municipalities, and we had requests for about a billion dollars in uh, in projects. And these are important projects, quality of life projects. As infrastructure is aging, um, making sure that we have sewer lines that that work and, and water lines for drinking water and water storage, all of those things that we care so desperately about that. We're going to be asking the legislature for more money uh, for that. And uh, we, we believe that we could also use this money uh, coming from the, uh, the infrastructure bill uh, to meet some of those needs. So we already have the list. We're in the process right now of ranking that list, projects that are most important. Um, we have projects from every corner of the state. And uh, this, will be, uh, this will be a good thing in, in the long run for, uh, for everyone in our state.
2: Our next question comes from a texter who is a public safety employee who wants to know if you would support legislation in the upcoming session that would reduce the separation time for public safety retirees. Uh, The reason they're asking is they say if they were to retire right now, they would not even be able to mow the lawn at their local high school because they would lose some of their retirement benefits.
1: Yeah, Maria. So this has been a problem for a while. Um, Now, now, on on the good side of this, uh, the the legislature back now, I was not not here for this. I was a county commissioner at the (laughs) time. or I guess a mayor and then a county commissioner when in 2008 when we had the uh, the, the, the Great Recession the, the collapse and so many states um, retirement programs were, were facing bankruptcy and, and Utah very proactively stepped out and said we're going to reform um, our, our, our public pensions and retirement programs to make sure that they're sustainable and uh, and I certainly applaud the, the work they do uh, did at that time now there's a question if, if that legislation and some subsequent Legislation may have gone a little too far, and 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 what this texter said is is absolutely um, uh, a, a problem that we've seen, um, and and that is that you you can't uh, you can't e- even take you, you know for example a part time job without benefits of do, doing something else after you've retired if there's any nexus to uh, to state government, and w- what they're trying to avoid is this idea that people would retire. In their job, and then and then the next day take back their their exact same job and uh, get their retirement and keep getting paid. So they didn't really retire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 people, I think rightfully so, felt that that was kind of playing the system a little bit. Um, but that's very different than than what's being proposed here. And so I I am interested in that legislation. Obviously, we will have to work through the details. I've been I've been interested in it for for quite a while. Um, it, it, again, especially around public safety, it's so hard right now. We have a a shortage uh, of people um, in the workforce, a labor shortage, a significant labor shortage. And, and let me tell you one area where it would be really helpful, and that's in rural areas. So l- imagine, and this happened all the time when I was a, a county commissioner, that someone would retire from, you know, Salt Lake, um, y- Utah County, and and they moved to uh, they moved to a rural area, and and they w- they were willing to do some part time law enforcement to uh, to help out. Well, you have somebody with a tremendous amount of experience coming to a place that desperately needs the help. What ends up happening is in these rural places, we, we hire people in public safety, then we train them, we send them to post, we get them all ready to go, and then Salt Lake City offers them more money mm-hmm. and, and we lose them. And so there's this revolving door. Now, if you could get somebody with a lot of experience who is coming in willing to work for less because they have their retirement, it's really a win-win. But but it's not just there, it's everything. As this person mentioned, um, they can't get a job, a part-time job, even doing something Anywhere else related to state government, um, and, and and that's problematic. I think that the pendulum probably swung a little too far, and and we could look at ways to uh, to shift that back and and help our people and, and get these jobs filled that so desperately need to be filled.
2: All right, our next caller is Rick in Oakley, and good afternoon, Rick. What is your question?
0: Yes, can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Yes, Governor Cox, um, you know you talk a lot about. Um, Civility and decency, and you know, I agree with the words that you um, often speak. But when I, you know, when you supported probably the most indecent and uncivil um, candidate for president in the form of um, Donald Trump, and your recent action um, in signing what I would characterize as an indecent and uncivil redistricting plan in that it disenfranchises, you know, some 35% of Utah's. Why should I continue to listen to you? Um, when you give speeches on civility and decency, your words seem to be undermined by your actions completely.
1: Well, th- thank you, Rick, for the call. Um, of course, you 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 don't have to listen to me. That that's fine. Um, that's that's certainly your prerogative. Uh, I I I I'm happy to to address redistricting. I, I've talked about it a lot. I, I did a, a, a about. Fifteen minutes uh, of a Facebook live, uh, talking about exactly what happened around that, and and uh, I, I I appreciate your passion. I know there are a lot of people that that are upset about redistricting and the way that that went down. I've been very clear on this. In fact, two years ago, um, I gave a speech on redistricting before any of this happened, uh, before um, the the uh, be, before the ballot initiative that uh, that that Utah's passed very narrowly um, uh, by, by I think about seven thousand votes, and and I said this and i've been clear i've been very consistent on this i said look if you read the constitution of the state of utah the constitution of the state of utah very clearly says that the legislature decides the districts the legislature every 10 years the language is perfectly uh, clear the legislature decides the districts they get to it's it's their prerogative now we can change the constitution people don't like the constitution it can be changed it's 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 a big process and it take you have to have legislative support to change that. Um what ended up happening was this ballot initiative that a lot of people unfortunately believed meant that uh this this independent redistricting commission would draw the lines. And that's not what it meant at all. The only thing it can do is recommend uh to to the legislature. Uh, it doesn't say the governor draws the line, it doesn't say uh, redistricting commission draws the lines it says the legislature draws the lines and two years ago I said the legislature will draw the lines again and I will support the legislature in drawing those lines unless they do something illegal um, which they did not um, then uh, then then they get to do that um, and not only did they draw the lines but they drew the lines with a veto proof majority and uh, i 've heard people say well they only had fifty votes in the house and and that is veto proof but you only needed one to change that 's not how the legislature works they had sixty votes in the house uh, but they only needed 50. And so they, 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 they got their 50 and then let other people vote, vote differently. So I've been very consistent on that, 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 I, you see that as divisive because you wanted a different outcome. Um, being divisive doesn't mean you get your way every time. That's that's not. I, I mean that that's that's not how it works. Not being divisive doesn't mean that. Um, collaboration means listening to people, bringing people together, uh, doing the very best. I would have drawn different maps. There's no question that my maps would have looked different. But the Constitution doesn't tell the governor that he gets to draw the maps, and so so that's that's I they they did something. It wasn't illegal. I said from the beginning that I would support the maps that they drew those are the maps that they drew and I did that now I I, I feel bad that you feel that that's divisive um, I, I I don't think it is uh, I, I think that it's important that we listen that we try to do better um, sometimes I'll support some things that you like and then you'll think I'm, I'm the best governor ever uh, but uh, I, I think that, uh, that that listening and learning from each other and not throwing moms and not attacking people I think that's what we should we that's the way that we should be in in our politics and I've certainly tried to do that. I will always try to do that. I tried to do that during redistricting, and I will try to do that on every issue going forward. And if you ever see me attacking the other side, or if you uh, if, if you ever see me um, trying to divide our state, um, then then please come and let me know, and uh, and I promise you I'll try to do better. Thank you, Rick.
2: Rick, thanks for your call today. We need to take a break. The number to call with your questions eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. You can text us your questions at five seven five zero zero. We'll be right back.
0: Get your questions answered by the Governor. Call 801 575 8255 to join Let, Let Me, Me Speak, Speak to, to the, the governor. governor on KSL News Radio.
2: Thank you for joining us this noon hour for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and we are taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can text us at five seven We'll get to as many of your calls and questions as we can. Governor, our next uh, person here is Jerry in West Valley. And, Jerry, what is your question?
0: Uh, Governor Cox, I I really appreciate you taking these calls. Um, With the recent uptick in... Uh, Hits in crosswalks, especially the the fatal one up in Layton. Um, My wife almost got hit in a crosswalk. I was wondering if there's any way we could start to encourage legislature to uh, get more visible crossing uh, lights, anything to really let people see someone in a crosswalk.
1: Thank you, Jerry, and and I'm sorry to hear about your your wife and and, and obviously these are uh, the, these are, are serious tragedies. So a, a couple of things that I think are important. Um, so so most of those decision, uh, mo- most of our streets with with crosswalks are, are city streets, and, and of course, um, that that's a conversation to have with your uh, your your local um, city officials. Uh, local government is is easiest to, to contact to talk through those. Now on on state uh, streets though, and for the average. Person, you know, people don't know if it's a city street or or uh, or it's it's owned by the the state. Um, Udot works through those, but but they also work closely with local officials. So um, I, I can give you a, a quick example. When I was the mayor of Fairview, uh, we needed a crosswalk and we wanted lighting as well uh, for that. So as the as the mayor of my town, we reached out to our, our representative from our Udot area, talked through that, showed them the data, showed them why it was important, and and we got that done so they, they do have a budget for that every year um, they are uh, they they look at at they do studies uh, every year as well and if there's an accident they will study that crosswalk um, and and see what we can do to increase it there so if, if you have specific crosswalks in mind um, what I would encourage you to do is uh, is to reach out to uh, your local uh, government your public works uh, city council member and uh, and let them know that hey this is a dangerous intersection this is what we have we believe that we need something more than there. There's a process that they can go through to get that done. We are adding um, every year. We're adding uh, new crosswalks. We're adding additional lighting, um, trying to make them more safer. As as the fastest growing state. A uh, 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 a a you know an intersection that may have been safe ten years ago the last time we looked at it may not be now and so we 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 really do rely on on the eyes and ears of of people around us to uh, to help us out and and it's not just that we're we also um, it, it's the responsibility of course of drivers a, as well and and we need people to pay attention at intersections um, get off your phones uh, stop texting um, start looking um, sometimes you know even having a well lit crosswalk doesn't matter matter if people aren't paying attention and so uh, we, we, we really need to be careful out there and as pedestrians we, we need to be vigilant as well right e- even though we have the right of way um, the right of way doesn't matter if, if we get hit and, and far too often I see pedestrians who are on their phones as well and not paying attention to what's happening around them so if we could all be just a little less distracted that would be helpful but if you have a specific um, a specific place where, where you want to crosswalk please reach out and uh, and let us know and we can do a study and see if if uh, uh, if if we can put one there.
2: All right, Jerry, thanks for your call. Next question. I'm just going to read you this text, Governor. This person says they are disappointed with the permitless carry law that was passed in May. They say we are seeing an uptick in gun violence. And what do you see as a solution to the concern?
1: Yeah, th- thank you, Marie. So we are seeing an uptick in, in gun violence across the nation, though. So uh, the the uptick is happening in, in states that that don't have permitless carry as as well as as states that do, and and certainly it's it's concerning. Um, I, I I don't say that to denigrate it at all. I just say that they're they're important issues um, in and of themselves. Uh, it, it's it's really important to know as, as we actually look at at uh, the at gun violence and and when guns are used to take a life um, there are two categories that stand out um, far and away above everything else Um, the first category unfortunately is suicide and uh, we we have uh, we're, we're spending more on suicide prevention right now than at any time in our state's history we have some amazing programs that are reaching out providing gun locks and safes to safes uh, to 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 people and, and gun owners and, and parents uh, making sure that, uh, that that we are locking up our guns and, and keeping uh, keeping our, our loved ones safe so um, suicide prevention will will do more to end gun violence um, than, than uh, deaths by gun than than anything else in our, our state right now so that's that's a critical one um the second one is uh, our, our the type of our, our domestic uh, disputes and domestic related Homicides. Um, that's the, the by far the next largest category. Um, so many people, uh, unfortunately, that, that that die a violent death uh, by uh, by gun or otherwise, um, are people who knew each other. Uh, people who were. You know, married before, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, uh, family members that that are estranged, and, and I do believe that that's one area where we could do better. Um, I, I think we really need to continue to um, evaluate our, our our laws around um, allowing uh, those uh, the, the the people who have um, who have promulgated violence um, or threatened violence, um, w- whether or not they should they should be able to possess a firearm if if they've Uh, if they have a history of domestic abuse um, that's uh, that's unfortunately where we see far too much of this and it's it's one area that as a nation i think we could do much better
2: governor we only have two minutes left in the program i'm going to try to squeeze in this last caller um sam is enlightened sam what is your question sam are you there and apparently sam's not there our next question from our texter is: how come we don't have a mandatory left hand turn light to cut down on accidents
1: well that's a good question um i we we Would probably that have some problem? i i i hmm. i don't know i'm i i guess i'm not an expert enough to 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 know um i'm I'm sure that uh that that our experts have been looking at that we have some some traffic related questions today um I'll make sure and and put that one to uh to our our experts we may have uh we may have some in in some areas uh i'm not sure and i'm so sorry yeah. but we'll We'll do better next time.
2: Final question. We just have 30 seconds here, Governor. I'm just wondering, uh, our texter wants to know if what can be do, done to clean up our air. And I'm wondering if there's anything coming up in the legislature.
1: Yeah, we'll certainly see some more in the legislature. We, we have a bipartisan coalition that is working on, uh, on some clean air initiatives. Good news, uh, our air is cleaner now than at any time in my lifetime. Um, bad news is we still have a long ways to go. So uh, we're working with that. I will say just briefly, um, our, our, our very last uh, refinery um, has started the process to, the last one left to make Tier 3 gasoline, which is much cleaner burning gasoline. Um, Tier 3 gasoline is doing more to clean up our air than anything else that we've done in a long time. So we've got the last refinery on board. Uh, they, they, uh, we, they just let us know this week, and uh, that's going to make a huge difference. Pretty soon, all of our gas stations will only be selling Tier 3 gasoline in the state.
2: Governor, thank you for your time. Thank you for answering the questions of our listeners. We appreciate it, and have a happy Thanksgiving.
1: Thanks. You too, Maria. Take care.
2: You too. Until next time.
0: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.